You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, Milwaukee Bucks reporter at The Athletic Wisconsin. And joining me as always is my good friend and the founder of BrewHoop.com, Frank Madden. Frank, how you doing, buddy? Well, I, I don't know if, if uh, I guess the Bucks losing, uh, being, being the rare team that can actually lose a close game to the Charlotte Hornets. Um, I, don't, <laughs> I mean, it was aggravating to lose that game. I guess it was better to lose that game by the final score of 110-107 than, you know, 110 to 85 or something, which um for about two and a half quarters it looked like it was headed in that direction. Um so once again, I mean the Bucks are kind of blowout proof. Um, knock on wood, that I'm not jinxing them. <laughs> um so uh, you know, again, like they uh it was a strange game. I mean, uh, you know, Giannis had a hard time really getting involved because seemed like the Hornets basically decided we're just going to kind of gang tackle the paint and force you guys to make threes. And for a while the Bucks did. And, you know, the first five or six minutes felt like the Bucks might kind of blow the game open with just three point shooting. And, um, but a big second quarter for Charlotte um, and Bucks looked to be pretty much done by the middle of the third quarter before um, some pretty inspired play for a change uh, got them back into it. And um, I'm sure the Hornets were, um, having some nightmares uh flashbacks thinking of you know are they going to somehow figure out a way to blow this game after being up by 25 in the second half um but alas um you know chris milton and malcolm brogdon in particular just miss way too many shots in the end bucks just i mean they for a team that that almost erased the 25 point deficit they blew a lot of layups and missed a lot of very open shots down the stretch and um i think you know kind of missed opportunities i think is going to be part of the story of this game you know i mean you to, to come back and then feel like you you just blew so many easy buckets uh in the fourth quarter um is a little weird it felt like they had a much narrower margin of error but um i thought maybe the most interesting thing in the grand scheme of the season was the most just switch everything defense we've seen um from the bucks mm-hmm. with um a lot more uh, Giannis at center than, than we've seen really, I think at any stretch this season as, um, you know, the bucks, uh, once again, we saw Thon maker I mean, minus 13 and six minutes, Budenholzer kind of gave up on him after the first half. And, um, I think that was, that was pretty critical. And again, we've talked about that idea and kind of the grand scheme of this season and the playoffs and, you know, are the bucks going to actually work on that in game action? Are we going to see that? Um, and tonight it was obviously more of a, you know, emergency type thing but um i I mean the hornets offense really kind of looked like it ran out of ideas pretty quickly when the bunch of bucks just started switching when they went small and just started switching everything so i mean if there's a silver lining it's probably that you know that we saw that kind of come out of the uh out of the toolkit from mike budenholzer but um obviously you know at the end of the day um you know a game where the bucks 
um, you know, have a chance to tie it at the end of regulation, but can't get a good shot off with seven seconds left. And, um, you know, unfortunately, uh, another close loss and, um, you know, Bucks lose, lose ground again on Toronto. So, um, yeah, you know, again, no moral victories. Uh, I think the Bucks are too good for moral victories. Um, but, um, you know, certainly it could have been a lot worse than it was. Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's a bunch of interesting stuff in there. Um, I guess starting with Giannis, uh, as we, we are dedicating our Mondays to Giannis appreciation. Um, I think that's the spot to start. And I think, I think the Hornets have shown maybe one of the most interesting approaches to trying to shut down Giannis. Like, I think we've seen another, a bunch of other teams try to kind of do some of these things, but the Hornets just have. I don't. I don't even know that it's necessarily like a certain mix of players. Uh, I think certainly Michael Kidd Gilchrist is kind of a part of it. He was plus eighteen and eighteen minutes tonight. Um, but like you know, like Marvin Williams. Uh, Nicola Batum, like they just have a, a, a bunch of guys that are smaller than Giannis, and I've I believe I've posited this before on on this podcast that my idea that if I was an NBA coach, I would just play small all the time and just tell my guys to be as handsy as possible. Have I talked about this before? I feel like yeah. I have. Um, yeah, and I mean, I thought you saw a lot of that tonight, where the Hornets just said, "Screw it, we're going to play our small ball lineup," and that's the same lineup that really gave the Bucks fits in the in the first game of the season. And we're going to play small, and we're going to we'll switch some stuff on Giannis. We will make sure that we always have buys in front of him, and everyone when they are in front of him will use their hands. Like th- there will not be a time where Giannis goes anywhere near the lane and doesn't have people reaching at the ball, doesn't have people uh, just kind of draped on him. And we talked about this. I don't even know last year, maybe with the Celtics. I think maybe this is when I started calling the Celtics a bunch of tryhards a few years back. But like that was kind of what Brad Stevens would always do with his defenses was, just, hey, we're going to put a bunch of little dudes out there. They're going to be really handsy and officials aren't going to call it for 48 minutes because, you know, that's just not something officials want to do because there's a smaller guy getting bullied by a bigger guy and will like let him play a little bit. And I, I thought the Hornets did that kind of masterfully tonight. Uh, there was uh, the missed dunk from Giannis or he had two missed dunks tonight, two missed dunks. Didn't he? Second and an one, one that an almost and one that, that he missed uh, that was a foul too. But yeah, I think he had what two, two sort of like almost highlight real dunks that didn't get, that didn't go down. And then I, Right. And then, and then that addition yeah. should have been an A1 that he didn't get or just a five. Yeah. Is, and on the second one, they, they blow the whistle after it's back rimmed. And in my head, I mean, I'm pretty sure they weren't going to call that fall on Marvin Williams on the backside. If it, if it went in, I don't think he was going to get that call. And then they saw it go back rim, so they gave it to him. But the first one, you know, Marvin Williams had a couple hands on him. I think, uh, I think Cody Zeller also had a couple hands on him. Like he, he was clearly going through contact and Giannis often does that, but there was no call. And I mean, that's just something that I think can kind of happen with Giannis. And, you know, we've talked about his whistle before and uh, how we don't think it's particularly good. And uh, Mike Boonholzer after the Spurs game had talked about it a little bit that, you know, you know, there's times where we don't think he gets, he gets enough calls and things like that. And obviously in a night where he shoots 20 free throws, that's not going to make headlines, but, that is something he said after the Spurs game. Um, and I think he kind of saw it play out. And Charlotte has, uh, of all the teams the Bucks have played, have 
been most willing to commit to a totally small lineup and the most willing to just just possession after possession say you're you're gonna have guys all over you and you're gonna have to deal with it and uh i I think for the most part Giannis only has one turnover on the night and he has uh there was no like problems with charges charges or anything like that and i thought he did a really nice job of you know being under control knowing that double team was going to come and then working off of that where he would just kick it out and you know they would find an open look and obviously to start the game it was huge and then you know as the game went on they kept getting open looks off that but the bucks just weren't hitting shots and you know when it when Giannis is creating those looks and they go in, it's great. But when he creates those looks and the shots don't go in, then like there's the flow. He doesn't have flow. The offense doesn't have flow and there's just no rhythm to it all. And, and I thought you saw the bucks kind of get bogged down in that in the second half as they would just kind of create good looks and no one would hit anything. And obviously, like you said, you can start with Chris Middleton and Malcolm Brogdon Middleton, three of 12 from the three point line uh, after hitting his first three. So do the quick math. That's over nine. He misses his final nine shots, four of 18 on the night, Malcolm Brogdon, four of 16 on the night, one of six from three. Um, Those guys just didn't hit their shots. And uh, you know, that led to an offense that was bogged down. And uh, this Bucks team, despite, I mean, really kind of putting the clamps on the Hornets in the second half, uh, they give up 28 in the third quarter and then 17 in the fourth quarter. And I I mean, I think you could see a little bit of the Hornets being on a back-to-back. I think you'd see the Hornets really struggling with the Bucs switching everything on defense, and they just weren't making shots. And the Bucs had, I mean, chance after chance after chance. Uh, And obviously they had those chances because their defense and the Hornets offense slowed down a little bit, but still you have all those chances in, you just don't take advantage. And I think the all-encompassing possessions probably what the – Bledsoe coming over on help defense when they switched Connaughton onto Walker. Uh, Walker gets up in the air, then tries to pass it. Bledsoe tips it. Then he's able to save it, saves it to Connaughton, gets it back. Looks like he's going to go up and take it to the rack. He dumps it down to Connaughton for a wide open layup. Bledsoe had done all the work. He had grabbed all the defenders, attracted all of them, dumps it off to Connaughton, misses a bunny, gets his own rebound, kicks it out. Chris Middleton. Misses a three. And then uh, what? Hornets get the rebound. Giannis steals it. They get it back. Get Middleton another three. He misses that one. Uh, and then Giannis picks up a foul going for the offensive rebound. And that would have, all those shots would have put them down one. Or I guess Connaughton would have put them down two. Middleton's two threes would have put them down one. And it just felt like that was probably it. Like, like that was probably. You know, if this if the Bucks were going to make this comeback, that was the shot that they needed to hit, and and they just didn't have it in them. So, um, to me, I do think a lot of it starts with the Hornets' defense on Giannis. And again, I don't I don't know that Giannis necessarily did anything wrong because he did keep creating good looks. The Bucks just weren't hitting shots. Yeah, it was an interesting game. I mean, I was um, I was a little surprised looking at the stats that the Bucks still outscored the Hornets forty to thirty eight in the paint. It just felt like, you know, the Hornets kind of sold out to to stop that for so much of the night. And obviously in the second half, I I think Giannis's night. I think he was. Um, I think he only took two shots in the first quarter. He was at one point two for four in the second quarter, and then I think he missed like from the middle of the second quarter to the middle of the third quarter. I think he missed like 
like five straight shots or so and was getting frustrated. Like you could tell he came out in the third quarter, was trying to kind of get himself on track, you know, get get out of like, you know, basically like, all right, I'm gonna yeah. just will will my way to 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 you know assert myself. And um just wasn't happening. That kind of coincided with, you know, the the kind of lead expanding to to you know up to 25. But then um I think he probably hit something like five out of his last six or so. He had a three um which kind of in a weird way. I mean, of all the things that kind of snap him out of his slumber a little bit and snap the bucks out of their slumber a little bit, it was you know, obviously strange to see him hit a three in the third quarter, but that kind of got him going a little following bit. Following an MKG three, which was yeah. just, I don't know if we could ever have that sequence happen again, like MKG three into a Giannis three on the next possession. That was wild. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I mean, it was, um, it was a little interesting there, but then from there, I mean, he, he kind of kept going and, um, you know, he was being unselfish all night. Right. I mean, he was making smart basketball plays. He was finding guys for, for good looks. And, you know, again, like that's the offense, right? I mean, the bucks 16 out of 46 from three. I mean, that's, you know, um, more, more attempts on their average at one or two more makes than their average, um, 35%. I mean, it's not terrible. Yeah. And you kind of look at the box score and the, you know, the efficiency numbers. I mean, no massive disparities. Um, you know, the foul line, uh, Hornets ended up plus nine in attempts plus four in, in terms of makes. So, um, you know, that felt like for long stretches, that was where, and, and it feels a little cliche to say it, but it felt like that was where, um, you know, Hornets were just kind of more aggressive going to the basket, drawing fouls. Bucks were not able to do that really on the other end. We're not getting those easy buckets from the foul line. Um, and yeah, I am, I am a little surprised that the Bucks were only plus that the Bucks were actually plus two in the paint. Cause it felt like, you know, they just had a harder time getting things going there, but over the course of the game, um, you know, they got more and more into it. And certainly Giannis was a big part of that. You know, he kind of got going as the game went on and, you know, again, like n- not a standout game from Giannis by any stretch. The defense was really geared to stopping him and he puts up, you know, 20 points, 13 boards, nine assists, a steal, three blocks. And perhaps, uh, you know, most encouragingly, just one turnover, which was interesting in a game where he had very little space relative to most nights. Um, the fact that he only had one turnover, which is a season low. I mean, he's obviously had a lot of turnover issues, especially relative to what we're used to seeing. Um, he actually controlled the ball very well. It was Middleton and Bledsoe had five and four turnovers respectively. They they had a much more difficult time, um, you know, being, you know, kind of secure with the ball. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, a, you know, again, it's unfortunate. I mean, Bledsoe, I think, started four out of six from three, something like that. He misses his last three. Um, but by the same token, I mean, you look at, you look at the numbers. I mean, again, like everybody just always looks at the last game. You know, Kemba Walker has been huge this year scoring, scored 41 on opening night against the Bucks. But <laughs> I mean, they did a very nice job containing Kemba. He did get, I mean, he had 16 free throws. So obviously that's not good, but um, just three out of 12 from the field, just two out of six from, from the foul line. I mean, um, 21 points on 12 shots, um, you know, probably let's see, 16 free throws. So, you know, probably, um, like eight plus like 20 shooting possessions. I mean, that's, that's pretty low efficiency scoring. So, you know, you'd gladly take that from Kemba. Um, and even Tony Parker, it felt like Tony Parker was really killing them for, for stretches. I think, uh, especially in pick and roll. Um, but you know, he only ends up seven out of 14 for 15 shots, missed those two free throws late in the game, did have six assists. He was a minus one. So, um, Buck's actually doing a nice job on the point guards. Uh, we saw a fair bit of Parker and, and Walker together, um, but again, you know, just, you know, lamb had a, had a nice night, 21 points on 15 shots, Marvin Williams, 16 points on 11 shots. You know, he got a lot of uh, open looks from the top of the key. It felt like, and, um, you know, again, uh, it, an interesting game, I think because of the, the lineup combinations that we saw and 
Um, you know, Hornets probably used to playing small bucks. I obviously have not done that very much, but um, especially with Ursan out with the sore knee for the second straight game and Thon just, just, I mean, Thon just wasn't playable after that first stretch. Um, you know, it was good to see Budenholzer go small. We, I mean, Brooke Lopez, 15 points on 10 shots, only won three, eight boards plus 20. He was a, he was a team best plus 12. I, I mean, he reminded us of how offensively talented he is with, I mean, he put it on the deck and had like some really impressive drives off closeouts. Um, so it wasn't like he went down into the post and became old Brooke Lopez, um, but he flashed some real skill in, in terms of being able to score off the dribble, which is amazing to say for a guy who's, you know, seven feet tall and um, moves at the pace of a glacier. So, um, you know, Lopez was was good, but, um, you know, late in the game there when the Bucs needed to come back, obviously the small lineup was probably the most interesting storyline for me, and especially the fact that they, you know, were so freely switching with, I thought, Connaughton did a really – it seemed like Connaughton kept getting switched on to, to point guards, um, which really isn't that much of an advantage um, from a switching perspective um, for the offense. So um, I thought he did a really nice job, and, you know, 15 points on 10 shots from him, five boards, couple assists, um, some good defense at times uh, in that fourth quarter and um, one incredible uh, follow dunk as well. So um, Connaughton, really the only guy off the bench. Well, actually, along with Dante Givincenzo, who came back as well. <laughs> yeah. Dante, yeah, I, I almost skipped over Dante. The only, only Dante and Connaughton played more than eight minutes off the bench tonight. Really heavy load for the starters. Connaughton, 26 minutes, Divincenzo, 11. So, um, you know, I think that maybe you're seeing a little bit of that impact of the shorter bench because, you know, obviously, but Budenholzer just not really trusting uh, many guys off the bench. You know, Thon and Delhi get six minutes, Sterling Brown, seven minutes, Snell, eight minutes. So, um, I don't know. Let me pause there because I just kind of covered a lot. But, um, yeah, it, it, definitely a game that something similar in terms of like the small ball stuff, um, like the Hornets going small. But I think the Bucks were more prepared for it this time than last game. Um, but um, by the same token, obviously, you know, came up a little short. But interesting to see if, if that's something that we're going to see more frequently now moving forward. It's actually funny that tonight's episode is our first episode sponsored by our new sponsor, Action Heat, uh, who makes the world's best battery heated clothing because literally everyone on the Bucks probably could have used one of their pullovers uh, during portions of that game. Like maybe it would have warmed Chris Middleton up a little bit. Maybe it would have warmed Malcolm Brogdon up a little bit. Um, maybe it could have got packed content going a, a little bit. Maybe it could have got Delhi to move a little bit faster. Um, I'm not really sure. that I, I shouldn't say that that's something that their product can do. Um, but I, I can tell you that it is engineered to safely and efficiently deliver heat via heating panels similar to a heated car seat. They can re- reach temperatures of up to 135 degrees and are powered by a rechargeable 5-volt lithium-ion battery that lasts up to 12 hours. So it's the perfect idea for any friend or family member on your holiday gift list who, you know, likes to work outdoors, uh, does skiing and snowboarding, or if they just generally like being out in the cold. So Action Heat has heated jackets, socks, gloves, hats, and even undergarments like heated base layer shirts and long johns. So you can stay warm and cozy from head to toe with Action Heat, which is obviously quite useful here in the Midwest if you are a listener in Wisconsin. And if you're a listener elsewhere, in case you come back to Wisconsin or are going to be somewhere cold at any point. So 
Action Heat is available in men's and women's and has great new styles and models just released for this winter season. So we've got a special deal for our listeners to save 20% off your entire order. Just go to actionheat.com slash lockdown to check out everything Action Heat has to offer. That's actionheat.com slash lockdown. Or use the coupon code LOCKDOWN, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, at checkout to save 20%. Stay toasty warm while you enjoy all your outdoor activities this winter with Action Heat. And, of course, we thank them for sponsoring our podcast. We always are very happy to have new podcast sponsors along for the ride. Frank, I thought you mentioned a couple interesting things in there. Um, I think I tweeted this out, but Brooke Lopez continues to impress me because I I think in just 20 games, he's, he's moved from quote unquote floor spacing big who, you know, has the threat of taking threes to volume shooting three point uh, shooter where, okay, like this dude's going to put up 10 tonight. We better go out and close him out, uh, to, I can attack your closeout big, which I don't really think, I, I mean, I know Brooke Lopez is, is incredibly talented offensively, but like, I just, I wasn't quite ready for him to go through that progression quite that fast. <laughs> um, like it, it's been, you know, first five games, everyone kind of gets used to it. Then all of a sudden he's bombing away. All of a sudden the, the first Denver game happens and it's like, Oh, okay. This dude can actually, you know, jack up a bunch and, and he can hit him. So we're going to need to close him out. And now he's attacking closeouts. He's getting to the rack. He's, the other night he threw a pocket pass. I was like, what the hell is this? Um, that seven footer just threw a pocket pass. Okay, sure. Um, so I, I would say, yeah, I, I agree with you there that he's been really impressive. And, and I thought even when the Bucks, even when Mike Boonholzer asked him to switch, like I thought he held up pretty well. Uh, and again, that's you can only kind of survive when you are a seven footer that, that that's that big and you know only moves their feet so fast but you know I did think he kind of held up and was able to make some some stuff happen I thought at the end of the third quarter Giannis ends the quarter with that block on Zeller and I thought it, it kind of came about because Brooke was able to move his feet against Kemba and then Kemba had to swing it over and uh, then they had to try to force one up so I thought that was really surprising and like you said, I think one of the big questions we've had throughout the season is, okay, is is Mike Bunozer actually willing to change the way that he plays? Is he actually willing to make adjustments that are, you know, somewhat drastic and outside of their system? Like uh, will he kind of do those things because, you know, one of the critiques going to, I think throughout his throughout his career, especially in Atlanta was like, Oh, you know, in the playoffs, he's not willing to make adjustments or he's not willing to make the, the right adjustments or he doesn't have the right adjustments or whatever it may be. And, you know, probably unfairly, well, sometimes you, you can't really make an adjustment for LeBron James. Cause he's well, you know, LeBron James. Um, and that was a, a team that the Hawks ended up struggling against, but that was certainly, um, you know, a critique of what he had done. And we really hadn't seen uh, the Bucks go small for long stretches. We hadn't seen them go to switching for extended periods. And I thought they did a, a to me, in my mind, a really nice job with that in the second half. And I think you can see that kind of bore out in the fact that the the Hornets only scored 17 points in the fourth quarter. So um, I, I, w- I would agree with you that, you know, if you do take a nugget from this game, it's that, that 
he was willing to do that. And, you know, maybe that shows a willingness to do that going forward. So um, we'll have to keep an eye on that. But I think the other thing I end up circling in this game is uh, I believe, I believe on yesterday's pod, you said something to the fact of it's strange to use Delhi because Delhi's too bad to see the floor or something of that nature. Um, and yeah, he only ends up as a minus two at the end of the night, but I mean, I really thought, you know, he was kind of part of what let the the Hornets really get going because he, he couldn't contain Tony Parker off the dribble. Not that that would necessarily be a surprise for anyone um, who's, you know, kind of aware of both of their careers. But I did think that kind of helped get them going was, you know, that the end of that first quarter where all of a sudden Delhi's in there and it's not working and Delhi's in there with Thon and it's really not working. Um, and like, I, I just, I think at the start of the year we talked about how, you know, it's nice that it's nice that when you're, when you're watching this team play, like a guy like Thon maker, or Matthew Delvadova can be your 11th and 12th guy instead of your seventh and eighth guy. And well, we've watched them as the team's seventh and eighth guy. And yeah, there's a reason why it's nice to have them as the 11th and the 12th guy and not the seventh and eighth guy. Cause like you mentioned with Thon, they were largely unplayable and I just thought really couldn't get much of anything going. Uh, I think I've seen some people in my mentions kind of looping Sterling Brown in with them, which I would say might be a little unfair. Um, I wouldn't, maybe go quite that far but i just think you know we've seen the starters kind of their minutes bump up in the last little bit since ursan was out since dante divincenzo's out uh, i think we've seen mike budenholzer kind of struggle uh with this a little bit and uh, struggle to figure out exactly what their their rotation is going to look like uh when when they don't have those guys that he kind of got used to leaning on in the first couple of games and um Again, I know we do have have pretty, I think, significant questions about Dante DiVincenzo and whether or not he's going to hit jump shots, and you know whether or not he he can continue to be an NBA player or whatever it may be. But like, I do think you're kind of seeing the impact that his 20 minutes per game of passable basketball have had on that team. That and again, like, I'm not trying to say he's great or anything, but you know, he he was able to play a couple different positions. He was able to guard a couple of different positions. And again, maybe he doesn't do it perfectly, but he is able to, you know, switch across a couple different positions and, you know, kind of do his best to stay in front of guys. And obviously it didn't work out uh, as highlighted by some of the times he, he got broken off by Kemba Walker in the opener. He got broken off by CJ McCollum in their first game uh, out in Portland. But, you know, for the most part, he was able to kind of acquit himself in those minutes. And you're just, I think uh, sometimes, you know, when you see poor shooting nights from guys, I think you look at their legs and, you know, the uh, Giannis playing 40 minutes. Is this the first time he's played 40 minutes the entire season in a game? I would almost guess so. I would guess Middleton's 39 is a season high. Uh, Bledsoe at 36, Brogdon at 37. Like, that's that's a Jason Kidd minute load. <laughs> and honestly, I don't think Jason Kidd even got 
I don't I don't think he got Eric Bledsoe up to 36 in most games last year. Like typically he would keep him a little bit lower. So um, I think we've seen kind of the impact of those injuries to Ursan and Dante DiVincenzo catch up with the Bucks a little bit. And also maybe we've seen kind of some of the failings of you know, Thon Maker not being able to fulfill that role, Matthew Delvadova not being able to play some of those minutes. I think all of that is kind of coming to light now as we've seen the Bucks struggle with all this a little bit. Yeah, Giannis did play 41 uh, in the OT game uh, against the Clippers, so a little bit of an asterisk okay. there because that was an overtime game. So I mean, he wouldn't have wouldn't have touched 40 if not for the overtime. Um, but yeah, I mean, and again, like you know, I think the Bucks are in a position where. I mean, as we've seen, I mean, they should still be able to win games. And, you know, again, like tonight, Charlotte coming in on a back-to-back, um, you know, this is a game you want to win. You know, the Hornets, they, ha- they have, I think they're like third, came in like third in the uh, East in point differential. So, again, they've been, um, Bucks also underperforming their point differential. Um, but Hornets kind of famously have underperformed their point differential for uh, going on years now with with all these close games they've lost. Um so it's a game you want to win. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously, as you said, uh, you know, you lose a couple of rotation guys, um, even if they're not great rotation guys, um, you know, you know, you say next man up, but when the next man is Don Maker or Matthew Del Vidova, apologies to our friends in Australia, but, um, you know, then maybe you say, well, eh, maybe next man can sit on the bench more <laughs> and we can rely on the starters a little bit more. Right. And, uh, yeah. yeah, especially tonight where, um, you know, Urson is, is a guy that you can use to also deflect some of the minute load that, um, that, uh, Thon would sometimes need to have. Um, I, I think that obviously put extra strain on Giannis to play more minutes because, um, no, no Urson, uh, no Henson, uh, Thon not looking like a viable option. They obviously felt like they they had to you know go with with Giannis playing more as a big man. And again, I, I think there's a positive in that as we were kind of alluding to because I think very good chance that against certain teams in the playoffs, um, you're going to need to play be able to play that way. Um, but uh, I, I don't know. We'll see. Um, I thought I, I I am very curious to see if Christian Wood gets a look um, in Thon's place early in a game. I, I think. You know, mm-hmm. in the grand scheme of this team, I, I'm as much as I obviously I am a, um, you know, passport carrying member of uh, citizen of the, the Christian Woodlands. Um, I am somewhat realistic about <laughs> like how good he is or proven he is relative to just leaning more on Giannis or, or even Ursan. Um, but certainly, especially with Ursan out as well, um, you know, I would say at this point, like, you know, how many more times do you have to go to Thon in a first half and then decide that, you know, he's not playable? Um, you know, I think at some point you probably throw Christian Wood out there and just sort of see if he can do any better. And again, I, I don't know if that's really necessarily going to be something where he's going to make a big impact defensively, but you know, if he can kind of just blend in defensively, catch rebounds, which obviously, you know, is historically an issue for Thon and then, um, show a little bit more skill offensively and, and, you know, make sure that the offense kind of hums a little bit, which again, I mean, offensively Thon, if he can hit down, if he can nail down one out of every three triples, if he's, especially when he's playing with, you know, more of the starting five type guys, he shouldn't, I mean, you should still be able to score at a very high level because he, he at least gets out of the yeah. way offensively. Um, but by the same token, obviously Christian Wood, a guy who, uh, as we said, can catch a ball, um, has, you know, just a, a more polished streak, uh, you know, attacking the basket. And, you know, I mean, at, again, not a knockdown three point shooter, but we've seen he can, he can knock down open threes as, you know, 
probably not that much differently from, from Thon. So I don't know. We'll see, but, but yeah, I mean, you know, again, you, you miss, you know, a few rotation players as much as individually, you know, missing Henson in particular shouldn't be some sort of massive blow or missing Ursan shouldn't be some massive blow. You can't recover from, you know, when it's multiple guys. Yeah. then, then maybe you start to feel a little bit or you start to see it in, in the minute loads. And, um, I thought it was definitely encouraging to see DiVincenzo come in and, you know, hit a couple of threes. He's three for three overall. <laughs> Um, look pretty fearless and, and obviously with him, um, you know, the biggest thing that that's been missing is he hasn't shot well from three and, um, you know, hopefully see the, a couple of these go down. You, you hope that, that maybe that can, I don't know if he's lacking in confidence cause he's been taking, you know, in rhythm threes being very decisive, you know, throughout his rookie year. Um, but hopefully, um, you know, maybe seeing the ball go down, hopefully it maybe continues to do that a little bit more. Um, so he was definitely a guy yeah. that. Um, you know, gave them a nice boost tonight and, um, you know, Snell, Snell didn't predict particularly well. Sterling Brown, um, you know, what didn't make it much of an impact. He played certainly much better, uh, against the Spurs on Saturday, but, um, so it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I think, you know, that the upside is Bucks do have a, I think a number of wings that on any given night can contribute. Um, probably the hard part is you don't know necessarily, you know, who's going to really deliver for you and, and who's not. Um, but, um, you know, I think, uh, certainly the early returns, I think, you know, Connaughton's really probably separated himself a bit more than the other guys. Um, yep. Just because I think, you know, again, Snell has shot the ball extremely well. It's done other things as well. And defensively, he's very sound. Um, but Connaughton just brings a bit more dynamism. Um, his cutting, yep. you know, his explosive finishing, obviously, uh, kind of just is something that, um, you know, really no none of the other guys can do. I mean, DiVincenzo has some hops, but he's not he's not dunking on dudes the way Connaughton does. No, um, he's not. Connaughton definitely has, has, has the most functional athleticism of, uh, of any of the, the, the wings. So, um, yeah, so we'll see. I mean, again, uh, you know, Chris Middleton, Malcolm Brogdon, if they just make shots, um, you probably feel pretty good that maybe this, this goes the, uh, the bucks way, but, um, instead, you and not even that game. many shots, just, no, just no, a couple. couple. I thought this game was destined, you know, as much as as bad as the Hornets have been, it feels like the Bucks over the last three or four years have lost so many games in like the final minute where they just like can't make a shot at the buzzer or can't inbound the ball or, you know, mm-hmm. can't do something, can't execute late in the game. Um, so it's ironic that the Hornets have become known as the team that, you know, just loses every close game. But um, I, I just, I just assumed that this game was going to end with Middleton missing <laughs> a decent look at a three. And, um, you know, unfortunately, you know, they took so long to foul on the Hornets last possession. Uh, I don't know how much time they, if it was like 10 seconds or how much time it elapsed, but um, leaving themselves with only seven seconds. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a good chunk of time in the grand scheme of, you know, trying to run a play. But um, when you yep. know, when the other team knows that you need a three, that obviously takes Giannis kind of out of the picture to a large extent um, because yep. you're not worried about him shooting a three. And so um, I think it just put them in a bad spot with only seven seconds versus, you know, if you have more time, um, you know, you can run, you know, a couple more actions if, uh, if the first couple kind of don't pan out. But, um, in this case, you know, Middleton came off, couldn't really, you know, there was nothing really there for him. He kind of gives it hot potatoes it back to Bledsoe and, you know, Bledsoe really had a very difficult, long speculative shot that was just, you know, I mean, it maybe might've banked it, but, um, you know, certainly, not a not a, a shot that you're going to be particularly happy with. Um, they are coming on the final possession when you know you fought so hard to to, to have a chance to to tie it. So, um, so yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean, uh, I think 
you know, again, nothing, nothing satisfying about a loss like that. You've, you know, again, feel like you want to start stealing some of these games given uh, how things have been going with, with losing some of the very close games, as you pointed out, they've, they've separated in some pretty close games and actually, you know, the, the Denver wins, um, San Antonio wins. Those are pretty close games that they won, but um, it'd be nice if, uh, if one of these kind of like final possession games could, uh, could break their way now that they've lost, uh, I guess five in a row after opening night against Charlotte. Yeah, I think, well, like I said last night, uh, ironically, we got a close game here. Like we'll have to keep an eye on things and see, you know, if we, if we believe there is a larger problem, but you know, I thought tonight chasing from behind, uh, I think that, makes it always a a little bit more difficult of a spot, but you know, like they did just keep getting good looks, um, which, you know, ultimately if, if we are going to talk, you know, kind of, uh, process over results that you know the process there seems pretty okay to me um as they're just getting good looks and missing them um and i don't know we'll have to see kind of how all of that goes um what one one final thing one just one final thing too like just thinking about like the buck we talking about the bucks wing rotation um i think what's really interesting and obviously there's reasons why you wouldn't want to go small all the time i mean obviously lopez playing as well as he has and what he's able to do um means you know you don't want to just play small all the time but uh like what we saw towards the end of that game i mean if you've got Giannis at center and he's out there with you know bledsoe Connaughton, middleton and i mean you can mix and mix, mix and match really a lot of the bucks wings i mean you know divincenzo sterling brown tony snell i mean i'm not really that worried i mean again like I'm, I'm not expecting any of like all those guys to just like shut down Kemba Walker, right. Or, or who or Kyrie Irving or something like sure. that. But in the grand scheme of having a lot of wings who can, you know, either hit threes or, you know, in DiVincenzo's case, like, you know, be pretty savvy as a playmaker for, for what he is. Um, so if you have a bunch of guys that, you know, you're really not that afraid of putting on an Island defensively uh, and forcing the other team to try to just exploit them one-on-one. I mean, that that's something that, you know, is another reason why I think you, you feel pretty okay about, um, you know, the possibility of, of going small in some of these lineups and, and going to more of a switching look. And again, I not expecting that to become like a really regular thing that, that Budenholzer does, but certainly again, looking forward to the playoffs and um, the way some teams might need to play the bucks. Um, you know, I, Let's just say this: I would be happy to see a little more of that, more of that rather than less of that. Um, you know, I think we saw Lopez coming out higher than he did certainly in that first game, um, even you know earlier in the game tonight. But um, yep. you know, again, kind of more wrinkles game by game from from Mike Budenholzer, which um, you know now that the team sort of has its footing, I think defensively, I think this is the kind of thing you you know hopefully want to start seeing them do and figure out ways to to adapt and adjust and you know be smart about it yeah um we'll we'll have to see kind of how all that progresses but i did i mean we went over a bunch of stuff in this podcast i think i mean it's really interesting you know um kind of looking at maker and how many more chances he gets looking at the wing rotation uh looking at the starters playing more minutes like uh how Dante DiVincenzo factors back into all this. Like, I think there's, there's a bunch of interesting stuff there. And, uh, you know, on top of it, you mentioned switching more. Like I, I th- this was a, a really interesting game to me. Um, obviously it, it would have been better if the bucks would have won. Um, but you know, I think there's, there's kind of a lot of stuff to chew on there. Um, and we'll see if any of that stuff, you know, gets implemented uh, as the Bucks go forward. Uh, they don't play again until uh, Wednesday, and they have the Chicago Bulls on Wednesday, I believe. So, yep. you know, maybe 
maybe you won't see a whole lot of that in in that game, or maybe the Bucks will come out like garbage, like they did the first time they played the Bulls, and uh, you'll get to see how uh, them switch everything on Jabari Parker and Zach Levine. Who knows? Uh, we will see uh, going forward. So we'll be back tomorrow. We'll talk about all of it. We'll preview that game and much, much more. So for Frank Men, I'm Eric Name. Bucks lose one ten one oh seven to the Charlotte Hornets. Today's episode is brought to you by Action Heat. That's Action Heat com slash locked on or use the coupon code locked on at checkout to save 20% on action heat gear which is the world's best battery heated clothing so big shout out to our new sponsor on the pod so for frank i'm eric this has been locked on bucks we'll talk to you tomorrow